Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And here we are for another Saturday afternoon. It is Emil Franzi's The Voices of the West. Howdy, everybody. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker de France is Howdy, here. Harry. And in Los Angeles, it's our friend Todd Roberts. Howdy, friend Todd Roberts. Uh, willing, present, and aware. All right. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, For willing. what? I have no idea. <laughs> is that, is that Foy ask, willing that's there with you? Well, you know, uh, listen, don't ask me to contribute anything that I that I don't have in an abundance uh, other than love, love for you both. <laughs> well, and I, I think it's appropriate to mention that uh, uh, happening right now, but, you know, if you, unless you're listening to this live stream, you wouldn't know, and we don't want you to I leave anyway. Know. But it, uh, Marty Walsh is being played on one of uh, the local oh, TV channels, yes. and Todd's dad produced both Marty Walsh pictures. Well, it's, it's kind of you guys to mention. It's a little counterintuitive uh, for, for us trying to propagate and proliferate our, our show. But, uh, you know, I, right. I, do, I do know some people, uh, like most of my family members, that would rather watch my dad's Money Walsh than listen to me on the radio. <laughs> I know. My mother, my mother, God bless her, who's no longer with us, used to say to me all the time, I'd say, Mom, are you going to... Are you, can, you want me to set you up? You want to listen on the radio today? And she'd say, no, honey. I, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I, uh, I, you know, you know how much I love you, don't you? <laughs> and you are my favorite child. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a few questions that are unanswered in the world, like the seven wonders of the world, like, the, the, you know, the pyramids and Niagara Falls and, and a few of the others. Well, I have eight. <laughs> and my eighth is, um, I just can't believe that anyone would take time out to listen to you. <laughs> because You're so, she I, was a wise woman. I, I, you know, and much less pay you, um, to, you know, <laughs> to speak. Uh, and I can do it for free um, and have for many years. And I don't listen to you. And I love you. <laughs> So people that don't know you, I don't really buy into this thing that you have any listeners. Your mother and uh, your mother, other and, than I was other say, than she said, other than Harry and Bunker, y- I think yeah. you're only two listeners. My, my uh, uh, actually, uh, neither one of us are listening. We're just pretending to. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. Your, your mom and my wife must have known each other because uh, <laughs> she's the same thing with her. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, for almost 50 years, well, a little over 50 years in broadcasting. I think she's listened to me maybe three times. <laughs> yeah. What she's, what she's listening for is, I'm leaving now. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 My, my mom used to say to me all the time, you know, sweetie, um, the problem is, is that your material's old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you just continue to talk about the same thing over and over and over. Well, it's so it's what we know. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking I, of what we know, let's move yeah, what on. What do we know today? What do we know today? We're going to do another edition of Rhyming on the Range. Rhyming on the Range. Rhyming on the Range. That's the name of this edition. That's uh, cowboy right. poetry. I love cowboy poetry. I know you do. I love That's that why story. we're doing cowboy poetry. Yeah, I know. I always <laughs> keep. Harry goes, "What are we going to do?" And we go, "I don't know. I don't know." What do you want to do? I don't know. Well, cowboy I, poetry. I, I love it too. I I truly do. And 
you know, um, I, I, between Baxter Black and and Waddy Mitchell, and uh, and I think that I, I, and this is just my opinion, but I don't think we can talk about cowboy poetry without talking about the very, very, very close dear cousin of cowboy poetry, the cowboy balladeer. Yep. Uh, and uh, you know, guys like Don Edwards and Michael Martin Murphy mm-hmm. and so on. Marty um, Robbins. Well, Lefty Frizzell. Yep. Um, you know. Um, you, did you I ever just, know his brother, Righty Frizzell? <laughs> uh, well, you know, the, prob- the problem is when you drink too much, you don't know who you've met. <laughs> and then there, and, there was their, their distant cousin, and she was a gal named uh, Middle Marcel. <laughs> yes. Well, which always leads me to my baseball story of, the brothers Daffy and Dizzy Dean. Yes. Mm. Boy, their parents loved them. Uh, no kidding. They? No yes. kidding. I they were great. listening to baseball when they quit announcing on the radio. They, they were great, great baseball players, too. Yes. Uh, you know, Party's yes. over. Uh, Party's over. Yeah, Dizzy, <laughs> I remember watching Dizzy. Uh, my dad watched baseball, and Dizzy Dean be calling the game. And, and usually Pee Wee Reese was in there, too. Oh, yeah, Pee Wee. Yeah. <laughs> That's when they had announcers. I know, I know. Yes. Or Howard yeah. himself spoiled the no, yeah, announcer. Howard goes there. Well, uh, uh, and, and Red Barber and, yeah. you know, the great, and the great Vin Skelly. Oh, man. Vin, Vin. Uh, oh, what a treasure. Name, uh, the football player, um, Don, Don Meredith. Don, Don Meredith. Meredith. Yeah. What did I do, Harry? You, you, I broke yeah. something. You did. Well, yeah, dandy boy. Don Meredith. Can't take uh, you anywhere. You baby. know what I liked about Don Meredith is they'd be doing something because I always paired him up with Cosell. And Cosell would just, he'd say something about what just happened. And he'd go, Don, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Well, anyway, let's get back to oh, cowboy yeah. poetry. Folks, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we, we talked about uh, the, bringing in the troubadours. And as a matter of fact, I happen to have in front of me here. Uh, do. I do. The lyrics to uh, Marty Robbins' song, Streets of Laredo. Oh. And I thought, <clears throat> I thought I would read that, uh, recite that, if, if I may. Please. Don't, don't set us away. All right. Don't sit. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Oh, clear the throat, there. Clear the throat. As I walked out in the streets of Laredo, as I walked out in Laredo one day, I saw a young cowboy all dressed in white linen. Dressed in white linen, as cold as the clay. So beat the drum slowly and play the fife lowly. Play the death march as you carry me along. Take me to the green valley there lay the sod o'er me, for I'm a young cowboy, and I know I've done wrong. Once in the saddle, I used to go dashing. Once in the saddle, I used to go gay. First to the card house, then down to Rosie's. But I'm shot in the breast, and I'm, I'm dying today. Bring 16 tall cowboys to carry my casket, 10 pretty women to sing me a song. Take me to the green valley. There lay the sod o'er me, for I'm a young cowboy, and I know I've done wrong. Please beat the drum slowly, and play the fife lowly. Play the death march as you carry me along. Take me to the green valley, there lay the sod o'er me, for I'm a young cowboy, and I know I've done wrong. You know, that's a good one to start with, because... 
it's almost the perfect example of the typical. What are you doing here? Adjusting oh, your okay. microphone. Is it me or it? It's you. There you go. That's me. Now we're good. He's, he's adjusting my microphone for everybody that's watching out there. <laughs> uh, anyhow, it, 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 it's almost a perfect example because when you hear it, depending on the person, depending on the place, depending on the time, the words change. Mm-hmm. They, they mean the same, mm-hmm. but they're just they've been adapted and. And over time, and that's really the case when you get to the older, older cow, the older cowboy poetry, is so much of it was done by memory and passed from one cowboy to another. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know about about you, but I you know I've memorized some of this stuff, and I've gone back and gone back and read something that I memorized and realized that I paraphrased words. That I, that I changed positions and stuff, and wasn't conscious. It was just, I it was guess, me feeling. personalizing it yeah. and making it comfortable. It was the for feeling, me. feeling, right? and and that's one of the neat things about cowboy poetry is that it is personal. Well, and, and you know, when we had discussed this earlier the, uh, about cowboy poetry, you know, me and poetry and and. We don't necessarily get along with one another. But uh, when you look at the music aspect of it, um, then I get excited. Uh, I mean, lyrics are nothing but poetry anyway. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I want to I read a little something here. Uh, it's from a book called Cowboy Poets and Cowboy Poetry. And it's broken down. The chap, each chapter or section is done by a different guy, guy, poet, man or woman. And but this is just kind of giving you some of the background, some history, and I, I think this is important in a way because it, it it's the bones that this uh, cadaver's uh, mm-hmm. placed on. In 1910, John Lomax, one of the most important American folklorists, published his first collection, Cowboy Songs and Other Frontier Ballads, New York Macmillan. Lomax had grown up near a branch of the Chisholm Trail in North Texas and had begun collecting cowboy songs as a young man. But it wasn't until he began studying for an M.A. at Harvard when he was in his late 30s that he received encouragement to spend the next three summers roaming the Southwest collecting ballads, songs, and poems. The publication of Cowboy Songs, only a few had music accompanying the lyrics, and many were probably composed first as poems before being set to music, resonated with an American public preoccupied with urbanization, industrialization, and immigration, and still imbued with a sense of inferiority with respect to Europe. Here, it seemed, was a Native American voice of epic quality to challenge European culture. The popular success of cowboy songs encouraged John Lomax to collect further afield, and in 1919, he published Songs of the Cattle Trail and Cow Camp, not, as the title suggested, another collection of songs, but an anthology of cowboy poetry gleaned partly from published collections. Included were two poems by Brennan Stool, eight by James Barton Adams, ten by Badger Clark, and four by Henry Herbert Nibs, another Easterner. 
A few of the poems were listed as anonymous or from recitation, which suggests that Lomax's collection endeavors included transcribing poetry as well as song and recognizing that recitation was a popular entertainment and and recreation among cowboys. And I think that, you know, I I like that last part that it was a popular recreation because it it was, and you got cowboys, uh, you know, uh, at the end of a hard work day on a cow camp, they'd do various different things, but invariably somebody, you know, uh, do a poem, or somebody pull out a mouth harp, and they just, you know, it was it was like kind of like a corny, a corny yeah. scene from a B western. Mm-hmm. But I got to thinking about you know because I think for this show that in today's culture and climate, right? Not so much the culture, but the climate of the, the, the uh, Clovis bullshit we got going on. <laughs> that what a perfect medium mm-hmm. for shut in. You know, mm-hmm. family sitting around, you know, dig out that old collection of cowboy poems, set the kids around, turn off all the electronic devices, and just, you know, pass them around, read them, share them, talk about them. And I think, you know, this is it's one of the things America needs is they need to get back to cowboy poetry. Todd, you want to weigh in? Well, I, I, I first of all, I can't agree more. Um, and I would say to you that, that um you know cowboy poetry definitely in my opinion humble opinion uh stems from the original original cowboy balladeers which were irish immigrants who became cowboys Mm -hmm. who sang irish lullabies to the cows to keep them calm danny boy and you know you know, over over the hill and on the yonder, and uh, my darling Clementine, and so on, um, to keep them calm, and that basically gave birth, I think, to other cowboys who not necessarily could sing or had had a little harmonica or mouth harp or guitar, but you know, they were somewhat uh, um, they were they were they were guys that you know were somewhat silver tongued devils, and uh, they had a lot of thoughts. And they put them down on paper, and and uh, and you know, it's also important to remember, despite what people like to think today. But the average sixth grader then is smarter than the average high school senior or college freshman today, yeah, because they they were versed in uh, uh, the Bible. They were versed in. Shakespeare, uh, Greek tragedies, and and so on. So, uh, and Emily Bronte and Emily Dickinson and, and Charlotte Bronte and and uh, uh, Yeats and Yeats and all the rest of them. Mm-hmm. So you know that when you read that or you hear that recited back then because they didn't have phonographs, um, it's only gonna it's only for some it in, inspires them to want to listen more. Others. It inspires them to do it themselves, and I think that's what gave birth to the Gene, Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, uh, uh, Tex Ritter type of cowboy who sang, uh, you know, the B movie western uh, cowboys who sang and so forth. That's where it comes from. So 
you know, I have a very close friend who always says to me, you know, I hate those pajama cowboys. That's what he calls them. <laughs> and, and he includes, unfortunately, by his own mistake, and I do still love him dearly, uh, uh, his own mistake he includes in that is uh, uh, the Lone Ranger. And I always say to him, you know, they're not real cowboys, he'll say to me. And I'll say, uh, no, they are inspired from real cowboys because that's that's where it all came from was the Irish lullabies sure. that were sung to the cattle. And that's where this all over time grew and metamorphosed itself into something else. Mm-hmm. And to speak to your point, um, and again, Harry, I don't you know, I don't know where this comes from. And it applies to you as well, Bunker, but the both of you get me thinking sometimes Uh-oh. in the middle of the show. Um, you know, I need to have a bucket next to me so I can put those thoughts in the bucket <laughs> that not override me in my real point of thought that's in the moment. But as you were reading the lyrics to uh, The Streets of Laredo, I just realized there is a tremendous bronze of it here in Los Angeles. Um, and I don't know if you both know, but there used to be a bank, which is no longer, was gobbled up by all these other big banks that gobbled up all the other banks called Great Western Bank. And they used to do a, yeah, and they used to do a great commercial with John Wayne in Monument Valley. Mm -hmm. And he'd say something like, you know, you know, if, you know, there's no better place to have your money than in the Great West and. You know, we're here to help you or whatever the slogan was that was written by the Madison Avenue people. And in the background was Monument Valley. And then there'd be Duke and he'd have, you know, his outfit on and so forth. Well, they had a headquarters here in Los Angeles, which was on the corner of La Cienega and Wilshire Boulevard on the border of L.A. and Beverly Hills, which that part, that stretch of La Cienega is known as Restaurant Row. And, uh... On the southeast corner is a big black glass building. That was the Great West, Great Western Bank headquarters. And they built a magnificent bronze statue of Wayne mm-hmm. on his horse riding in that classic Big Jake, Chisholm, McClintock period of time of his life, that part of his career. And it is kind of the base of it is awfully tall. I'll have to. The statue is probably forty feet tall in total length, in total height. But the base is kind of oblong, like a football. And there's two sides to it. And the side you see most often driving uh, uh, west and east on Wilshire Boulevard is cattle, uh, uh, a big herd of Longhorn cattle, mm. moving from uh, uh, west to east. If you're facing the statue in the front of the building, it's going uh, towards downtown. But if you go on the other side of this of this statue, it's armadillos. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, well, I'll tell you that story later. Um, <laughs> is is uh, is the story of the wrapping the uh, um, uh, wrapping the the cowboy in linen and burying him, and it is a cowboy. Mm. It's a cowboy funeral, a trail cowboy who has died on the trail, and uh, they have to bury him on the trail. And uh, uh, it's very poignant, and it's beautifully done. 
And uh, next time you come out to LA, Carrie and mm-hmm. Bunker, mm-hmm. although I know you, you know, you're going to probably make me wait till I, like, you know, make an honest woman out of some unsuspecting female. <laughs> well, that that uh, statue to, used to be a tourist destination. I don't know if it still is or not. People go and look at it. It's just that now it's has it has no association with the building other than it shares the same geographic space mm-hmm. uh, because that bank is gone now that bottom floor that huge lobby and bottom floor is court furniture uh and unfortunately the building is now owned by larry flint it's the flint publishing <laughs> so you know uh, the, we, which is really sad it's like having your hollywood star in front of the pussycat theater or yeah, something. yeah. <laughs> um hey but, I, uh, I got a question it, for you well, john before, before, before you do it's that it's just beautiful and i want you guys to see it someday all right We've got to take our first break. Okay, break it, Aaron. Uh, so on uh, your new board, on my new new mixing board. It here. is so pretty. It does everything but make a campfire. Remember your question. Remember your question. And don't forget your question. Oh, I won't. All right. So we'll be back with much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West right after these very important messages. You stay tuned. cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club has served Southern Arizona since its original incorporation in 1948. We have a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse with a restaurant and lounge, and we're open year-round for all your sporting needs. Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday from 7.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Come out and join us at our world-renowned facility located here in the Old Pueblo, Tucson Trap and Ski Club at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. For more information, call 883-6426. As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. 
Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. On Abel Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander with you, along with Bunker de France. Yep. In Los Angeles, it is our good friend Todd Roberts. It is our hello, friend. Hello, hello, hello. And a little bit of Pat- Patsy Montana there. Patsy Montana. You know, she was the first million record seller. Yep. And that was the song. Yep. Yes, sir. All right, but, so your question before oh, we went to break. Rod, uh, Todd, uh, you know, yes. Harry did a poem. Have you got a poem for us? Uh, well, you know, I, I don't know that I have a poem. I've been working on this poem for many years. Uh, it's really not complete, but I, I will give you the uh, I'll give you the last two lines. Okay. It. Uh, it, it's uh, it's it's yes, it's it's cowboy, it's western, but it also has a little bit of uh, shall we say mountain man in it. Um, and it, it ends, uh, if I'm thinking through it here, um, uh, okay. Um, keep your powder dry, watch your top knot, keep one eye on the trail and the other on the sky. Oh, that's a good start. Well, I've got one here and before I do it, I want to kind of, kind of set it up a little bit because this is not. Really a cowboy poem, but a lot of the old-time cowboys, an awful lot of them, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Todd, they weren't all ignorant farm boys from Wisconsin that never had any schooling. Uh, a lot of them right. were, you know, they had schooling, and some of them even had a little Latin in their schooling. That's back in the days when the good proper schools actually taught Latin in, in grade school. But... Uh, Poets like Robert Service, uh, Rudyard Kipling, were among the favorites of the cowboys, and they would do these. And as you know, some of the some of the Kipling and Service poems are quite long. But yes. They, in fact, I've been every I read a cowboy poem every night before I go to bed, and right now I've got the book I'm reading from is the best of Robert Service, and I'll tell you what. No wonder you sleep so well. Oh yeah. Well, you know, you, you know frozen bodies and things like and gruesome deaths and horrible things happening to people, all in the beautiful confines of Alaska. The well, that sounds like that sounds like some of my Saturday night dates. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, the one I'm going to do is not a cowboy poem. It's a little kind of a story 
with the poem in it. And it's actually the story behind Taps. Now we have all wow. Hmm? Okay. wow. We have all heard the haunting song Taps. It's a song that gives us that lump in our throats and usually creates tears in our eyes. But do you know the story behind the song? If not, I think you will be pleased to find out about its humble beginnings. Reportedly, it all began in 1862 during the Civil War, when Union Army Captain Robert Ellicombe was with his men near Harrison Landing in Virginia. The Confederate Army was on the other side of a narrow strip of land. During the night, Captain Ellicombe heard the moans of a soldier who lay severely wounded on the field. Not knowing if it was a Union or Confederate soldier, Captain Ellicombe decided to risk his life and bring the stricken man back for medical attention. Crawling on his stomach through the gunfire, the captain reached the stricken soldier and began pulling him towards his encampment. When the captain finally reached his own lines, he discovered it was actually a Confederate soldier, but the soldier was dead. The captain lit a lantern and suddenly caught his breath and went numb with shock. In the dim light, he saw the face of the soldier. It was his own son. The boy had been studying music in the South when the war broke out. Without telling his father, the boy enlisted in the Confederate Army. The following morning, heartbroken, the father asked permission of his superiors to give his son a full military burial despite his enemy status. His request was only partially granted. Captain Ellicombe had asked if he could have a group of Army band members play a funeral dirge for his son at the funeral. The request was turned down since the soldier was a Confederate, but out of respect for the father, they did say they would give him only one musician. The captain chose a bugler. He asked the bugler to play a series of musical notes he had found on a piece of paper in the pocket of the dead youth's uniform. This wish was granted. The haunted melody we now know as Taps, used at military funerals and at the end of each day on U.S. military bases, was born. Taps. Day is done, gone the sun, from the lakes, from the hills, from the sky. All is well, safely rest, God is nigh. Fading light dims the sight, and a star gems the sky, gleaming bright from afar. Drawing nigh falls the night. Go to sleep, peaceful sleep. May the soldier or sailor God keep on the land or the deep, safe in sleep. Thanks and praise for our days neath the sun, neath the stars, neath the sky. As we go, this we know, God is nigh. I too have felt the chills while listening to Taps. But I never had seen all the words until now. I didn't even know there was more than one verse. I also never knew the story behind the song, and I didn't know if you had either. So I thought I'd pass it along. That's pretty good. That's uh, 
That's really very, cool. very, very, very poignant and very powerful. Thank it you, is. Bunker. And Thank you. I think on, on that point, uh, we're going to um, go to our next break <clears throat> and then uh, come back with uh, much more cowboy poetry right here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. You stay tuned. We'll be right back. Looking for a property management company? Here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. Contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses. Horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hello. 
podcast listeners. I'm Tom, the host of the Movie Zealots podcast, and I'm inviting you to give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases, but there's more than simply just that. We also play games like the Alexa quote of the show, and may the odds be ever in your favor, and have a from the cutting room floor segment that is an open forum to discuss anything from our thoughts of a Netflix TV series to our experiences with movie subscriptions such as the AMC Stubs or Movie Pass. So, after finishing this podcast, please give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Simply search Movie Zealots. Until then, that's a wrap. My name is Neil Summers. I started my 53-year stunt profession on High Chaparral and Gunsmoke and a few other shows. And I'm still active, and uh, I want to thank Voices for the West for having me on. It's the Voices of the West. back on Emil Franzi's The Voices of the West, uh, the theme to High Chaparral there, and our uh, friend Neil Summers, more of a friend for you, Bunker. Oh, yes. Than, uh, I'm, uh, he's a very good acquaintance of mine, but a very good friend of, for you. Uh, we went down the road for years. We've had him on the show. We've got to have him back. We've got to. You know, we, you know I, I keep thinking, maybe we ought to do a, a show about Terrence Hill. That'll get him. And... If, if if he doesn't want to do that one, we've lost him. <laughs> we've lost him. All right, we're doing Rhyming on the Range uh, for this edition of uh, the show. And uh, basically, it's cowboy poetry, but I like Rhyming on the Range. Well, it's cowboy poems should rhyme on you know, the range. Now, but nowadays, you've got the modern cowboy poems that don't do that. It's 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 like any form. It, it grows and changes. Well, I, I've got I've got a little ditty here. Um, ditty us up here. Harry. Ditty here. Uh, uh, it's called "Morning the, in the Morning on the Desert," and uh, this is coming from a website called CowboyPoetry.com. dot com. It's a good site. Go there. Yep. Morning on the desert. Morning on the desert, and the wind is blowing free, and it's ours just for the breathing. So fill her up, you and me. No more stuffy cities where you have to pay to breathe. Where the helpless human creatures move and throng and strive and seethe. <laughs> Morning on the desert, and the air is like a wine. And it seems like all creation has been made for me and mine. No house to stop my vision, save a neighbor's miles away. And a little doby shanty that belongs to me in May. Lonesome? Not a minute. Why, I've got these mountains here. That was just Put here just to please me with their blush and frown and cheer. They're waiting when the summer sun gets too sizzling hot, and we just go camping at them with a pan and a coffee pot. Morning in the desert, I can smell the sagebrush smoke. I hate to see it burning, but the land must sure be broke. Ain't it just a pity that wherever a man may live, he tears up so much that's beautiful and the good God has to give? Sagebrush ain't so pretty. Well, all eyes don't see the same. Have you ever seen the moonlight turn it into a silvery flame? And that greasewood thicket yonder, well, it smells just awful sweet when the night and the wind has been shaking it, for its smell is really hard to beat. Lonesome? Well, I guess not. I've been lonesome in a town, but 
I sure do love the desert with its stretches wide and brown. All day through the sagebrush here, the wind is blowing free, and it's ours just for the breathing. So let's fill her up, you and me. It's a nice one, Harry. <laughs> Bravo, Harry. Thank Bravo. you. You're this getting is, better at uh, well, it, Harry. Uh, th- this you, is, you're getting in the groove. <laughs> this is uh, uh, author, according to the website here, the author of Morning Desert and the De- Morning on the Desert is unknown, though the poem is sometimes attributed to John R. Nielsen. And it is said to have been found written on the door of an old cabin <laughs> in the desert. Uh, a lady cool. by the name of Jerry Brooks delivered the poem, and it says here, as she does with all of her recitations, as if she had written every word and possibly invented the alphabet. <laughs> you know, that that brings up an interesting thing, because there are an awful lot of the poems are, are who did them unknown, because mm-hmm. just, they got passed around. There's one poem, and it's probably uh, one of the best known, A Cowboy Prayer. Mm-hmm. And it's attributed to Unknown, S. Omar Barker, uh, just uh, Kiskadon. I think just about every cowboy poet has written uh, a version of, of mm-hmm. A Cowboy mm-hmm. Prayer. They're all pretty much close to the same, but... Uh, each one has got its own individual, uh, but but you, you know you, and, and then all swear I wrote that poem. Mm-hmm. I think everybody wrote that poem. What? Yeah. Well, I've got another poem here, and it's called "Portrait of an American Hero" by Linda C. Robinson, and I think you'll know who we're talking about real quick here. All right. When it comes to the heroes America claims, there's a lot to be said for the simple names, referring especially to one John Wayne, for everyone knows and loves that name. He was Iowa-born, a real country lad, brought up on the homespun advice of his dad. Good character, son, makes a man be his best. It's far more important than wealth or success. Young John was six, when they pulled up stakes and moved out west with the rattlesnakes. The labor was constant, the danger was worse, but he learned how to shoot well and handle a horse. John turned nine and they moved to town. He and his friends used to hang around and watch all the westerns being made, dreaming of parts they'd love to have played. Later, the Duke, as his name had become, would romp with his friends, movie-making for fun. Little they knew that the heroes they'd play would all be surpassed by the Duke someday. Now Wayne's success took its own sweet time. Every step of the way was an uphill climb. For forty-some years he struggled away to achieve the renown he has today. The Cowboys, Chisholm, how the West was won, at last count, the number was 150-some. Atari, Alamo, all of the rest, but most by far say True Grit was his best. Portraying all types from A to Z, cowboys and coal miners, men of the sea, Duke will admit that his best-played roles are the ones that reflect his heart and his soul. As common as sun and wind and rain, Big Duke is in the American grain, solid as an oak tree with deep-spreading roots. 
America stands proud is John Wayne. She salutes. That is good. Yeah, very good. And Todd, that uh, that email that you sent to me or forwarded to me, the uh, the the John Wayne Variety Show thing. Yeah, that that was way way cool. There's uh, yeah. Uh, it, Todd sent this uh, email out. It's video, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it, it's. Uh, what back in the seventies, sometime John Wayne nineteen seventy seventy hosted this uh, variety show, and all of these Hollywood people are in there. They're doing their thing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, it's to uh, it was to God bless America, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and my response back to everybody who saw uh, it was sent to was, "You couldn't get Hollywood to do that today." <laughs> oh, you, no, not with all the liberal. But that, that, that was way cool. I got another one here. Yeah. Another one here for us. Um, uh, Todd had mentioned Don Edwards, and uh, I found this uh, again from CowboyPoetry.com. It's uh, uh, Don Edwards' uh, Saddle Songs, a cowboy song bag. And this one is called <clears throat> Make Me a Cowboy Again for a Day. Backward, turn backward, old time, with your wheels, bicycles, wagons, and automobiles. Dress me again in a big Stetson hat, spurs, flannel shirt, slicker and shaps. Put a six-shooter or two in my hands. Show me a yearling to rope and to brand. Out where the sagebrush is dusty and gray, make me a cowboy again for a day. Give me that bronc that knows how to dance. Blue roan in color and wicked of glance. New to the feeling of the bridle and bit. Give me a quirt that'll sting when it hits. Strap on a blanket behind in a roll. Toss me a lariat clear to my soul. Over the trail, let me get galloping away. Make me a cowboy again for the day. Thunder of hoofs on the range as you ride. Hissing of iron and the sizzling of hide. The bellow of cattle and the snort of cayuse. Longhorns of Texas as well as the deuce. Moonlight stampedes and the milling of herds. Yells of the cowboys too angry for words. Right in the midst of it all, I would say, make me a cowboy again for a day. Under the star-studded sky, so vast, campfires and coffee and comfort at last. Bacon that sizzles and crisps in the pan. After the roundup smells good to a man, stories of cowboys and outlaws retold over the pipes as the embers grow cold. These are the tunes that old memories play. Make me a cowboy again for a day. Nice. Well, have you got another poem there for us, Todd? Well, I don't have a poem, but I will say that, um, you know, um, Charlie Russell was famous for um, when he would write someone a letter. Um, his grammar might not be the greatest, but his the way he wrote was poetry. Mm-hmm. And... He would also illustrate in poetry and that he would draw a picture of the main subject of his story in the letter. Mm. And it was like poetry in motion. And uh, in some ways it was poetry to the eyes, not just not to the ears. And, right. and I think that that, you know, it's sometimes overlooked. And um, I don't I think we should, you know, in today's world, what you were talking about, um, Bunker, it's so true that, you know, we need to kind of stop and smell the roses and turn off all the electrical devices and 
sit down and, and, and read a book or read a book of poetry or read it out loud or listen to an old uh, cowboy radio show, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and I think it would not just do ourselves good, um, but I think it would do others around us a lot of good because, you know, it, it takes you to a time, a simpler time, when things, uh, the worth of things was based on the uh, emotional connection, devotion, and effort Character. of the individual, mm-hmm. not <clears throat> uh, how much money they spent or how pretty they can make it look or how hip it is. Or whatever else. And that is, I think, what's majorly lacking in our, in our lives and in our, in our society. And I think that's why we're in, honestly, the predicament that we're in. And as much as people like to talk about America's in trouble or this or that, I think you see the greatest illustration of it, <clears throat> who is much farther down the line than we are, in in the severity of this situation that I'm talking about is Europe. Mm-hmm. And I think that the lack of secularism in Europe has created um, a, a, a feeling of, of miscontentment, of uh, a need for immediate gratification. And uh, I think when you watch the film uh, uh, City Slickers, and that's what Jack Nicholson's, Jack uh, Palance is talking mm-hmm. about, when he says, you know, uh, you, you, I see you guys every year, you know, you come out here with your big high price jobs and all your money and everything else. And, and, you know, uh, uh, you, uh, you, and what, and what happens, you know, you come here looking for something and what is it that you're looking to find? You're looking to find that one thing and you do. And Billy Crystal says, well, what is it? And he says, You'll know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's because we all know it when we see it. Yep. It's, it's, uh, we're thunderstruck by it and we're in awe of it, uh, not just in its simplicity, but its clarity and its poignancy of not just, um, <clears throat> directness, but poignancy in its meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, we can, we can, as much as we laugh and we love to joke on this show, I don't think that, um, I, I don't think it escapes any of the three of us, um, the tremendous amount of need of that type of, um, shall we say, uh, 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 simplicity in life mm, yeah. and clarity uh, that is so needed beyond uh, everything else. And I think for me, and I'm, uh, I'll be as, uh, aggressively as assumptive as I can be when I say this, but I think it applies to the two of you as well, that the three of us find it in the Western TV show and in the Western film. Um, and I think that's why we identify it with, with it. We find it in, in Western country, Western music, and we find it in cowboy poets, and we find it in just the basic lifestyle. You know, uh, the the simple plain truth. Well, you know what you're going to get <laughs> right well, off the bat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, you know, there's you, no you, guessing. You're on there's a no good guessing. theme there because if if you think about it, one of the things, uh, whether it's cowboy poetry, uh, 
uh, a, a Western song, a painting, is there is always a razor-sharp clarity to it. You know, it, it's it's not it's not ambiguous. It's not you know smoke and mirrors. It's not deceit and, it is and what, treachery. It, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. you know a good man is a good man, and, that's and he can always beat a bad man. Yeah, and, and the yeah. word is accepted on a handshake. Exactly, and that's right. And this is this is the the thing. You know, it's it's about honor, integrity, heritage, simplicity. And you know, and when you, and the funny thing though is you you hear these cowboy poems, and they seem like simplicity, but the depth of them and the uh, really the philosophical depth that they go oh, yeah, to yeah. is is but it's in a language that is just clear, crystal like clear, clear <laughs> and simple, yeah. and you know it, it's not like. It's not like listening to something or going to the movies today and seeing a movie. And unfortunately, some of the Westerns that do get out nowadays, it's, you come out of the theater and you go, What'd they what say? the hell was that? <laughs> you know, it right. was, you, you don't do that. We got to do our final break here. So hang on. We'll be back with much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West right after these very important messages. The land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallion.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. 
Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best kept economic secrets in town. This 900 member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Coming to you from the great southwestern United States. You're darn tootin'. Yes, sirree, Bob. This is the Voices of the West. The one without uh, Frankie Lane there. Without Frankie Lane. <laughs> uh, the or r- original score of uh, from Dimitri Tiamkin, uh, Rawhide. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander in Bunker de France in Los Angeles. It's Todd Roberts. We're not Roberts. in Los Angeles. No, we're not, but, but, but yes. uh, Todd is. Oh, well, I'm a little lost. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we knew that. You know, I'm Los a little Angeles, lost. Yes. In, in fact, so much so that. I, I'm, you know, I miss Arizona and you guys so much today that uh, prior to the show, I went out into my mother's cactus garden and and got stuck by many of her uh, cactus. <laughs> oh, just so be, I felt at home. Isn't that wonderful? Well, I gotta, yeah. I, I, I gotta say here, we got uh, an email from one of our great fans and friends and friends and cookie maker and cookie maker Sally down in Sonoida that uh, she's listening to the show online and loves bunkers singing. I don't know why, but she does. Well, you know, everybody's a lot of mistakes. I know. Are you lonesome tonight? was not was not making enough cookies for me. Yeah. Her second mistake was loving bunkers. You gotta earn the cookies. Yeah. Well, it's just like it's like Dreyfus and the tacos. You don't just get one because you know. All right, I got one final poem here that I think I can squeeze in before we run away. And this is a, a little comical one. It's called When Bob Got Throwed. That time when Bob got throwed, I thought, sure, he bust. I thought I sure would bust. I'd like to die laughing to see him chewing dust. He crawled on that Andy Bronk and hit him with a quirt. Next thing he knew, he was swallowing in the dirt. Yes, it might have killed him. I heard the old ground pop. But to see if he was injured, you bet I didn't stop. I just rolled on the ground and began to kick and yell. It like to tickled me to death to see how hard he fell. <laughs> Twarn't more than a week ago that I myself got throwed, but twas from a meaner horse than old Bob ever rode. Do you reckon Bob looked as sad and said, I hope you ain't hurt? Nah, he just laughed and laughed and laughed to see me chewing dirt. I've been praying ever since for his horse to turn his pack and when he's done it, I'd laugh, be a laugh if he'd broke his back. <laughs> so I was still a howling when Bob, he got up lame, he'd seen his horse had run off, uh, run clean off. And so for me, he came. He first chucked sand into my eyes and with a rock, he rubbed my head. <laughs> then he twisted both my arms. Now I go fetch that horse, he said. So I went and fetched him back, but I was feeling good all day. 
for I sure enough do love to see a feller get throwed that way. <laughs> this is attributed to somebody named Ray, and uh, was published uh, first seen in 1919 in John Lomax's book, Songs of the Cattle Trail and Cow Camp. You know, before we leave this this year show and we got going, I got a I got an idea that we should promote another national day. You got all kinds of national days. You have the National Day of Tex Ritter seventy eight. There you go. Which means on that day you sit down, you put a Tex Ritter seven old seventy eight, and you turn the lights down low. You you open up a beer, you, <laughs> you kick up your, put your feet on the table. If mom's not around, if she is, take off the spurs first uh-huh. and just listen to Tex sing. Why not? Sounds like a plan. Todd, thank you much for joining us today. Well, thank you guys so we, much. We and, appreciate and, it. And as always, it's a joy for me. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave you with this thought. All right. Uh, I know it's a bit of a stretch, <laughs> and I know it's a bit self-serving on my point, but why it, should I change now? Is it too now? late to mute him? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> Bunker, you, there's, there's, there are two rules on this show. Yeah. Always more liquor, and Bunker touches no knobs or dials. Exactly. Um, uh, but if you think about the fact that poetry can, uh, especially cowboy poetry, has influenced uh, not just paintings or images by Charlie Russell and Frederick Irvington and Jody Young and and um, and Joe Beeler and um, all the greats, um, but and Seltzer, of course, uh, but it's also influenced uh, filmmakers and. Mm. Um, if you think about the poem Strawberry Rome, yep. um, it is illustrated in the film Monty Walsh mm-hmm. when Lee tries to ride yep. the Rome. Yep. And um, you know, that that whole ensemble is that that whole scene as he is, destroys that poor town. But then again, he puts it into words. At the end, after he, after he has uh, had his duel with Shorty, and Shorty's dead, and he goes to Shorty, and he kneels down beside him, and he says, uh, uh, "I rode the, I rode the Rhone. Yeah, <laughs> I had to, you had to sit him high. Yeah, and uh, which is, you know, I think although it's only two lines." It encapsulates yep. the entire story of that mm-hmm. battle between man and beast. You have to know the poem. You have to have seen the shot in the film. But I think it encapsulates there. And so I guess my point is is that it starts out with words and it goes into imagery and goes back to words. Yep. And it's a full circle. And it's a connection to, to Shorty, too, a personal and, quote. And on that note, we must say... <sighs> Goodbye. Adios. All right. Thanks, Todd. Adios. We'll, we'll talk at you and next time. Thank you much for listening to uh, Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We'll be with you next time. So don't forget. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. 